0: and uh yeah we've got uh quite a crazy week yet again on the market we've uh we've definitely seen some shifts from the fed and uh kind of the feeling that we were getting has changed a little bit so we're going to cover a, a lot of that news what the fed's doing how the market's reacting we're going to take a look at some news from apple amazon tesla uh some different news in the lithium space and in the uh the chinese ev market so uh, a lot of different things to cover uh the the market uh you know, they close on the weekend, but uh, the news still goes. So, um, we're going to try to wrap up some of that, some of the different things that I think might, uh, do well in this market and kind of retrace our footsteps on some of the things I was saying about uh, the housing market and, uh, kind of, you know, go through all those different concerns that we have and try to get a sense of what's going on out there. So, uh, again, thanks as always for stopping by. So we can, uh, I guess jump right into it but uh first I did want to say if you need to get started and you're looking to build a, uh, a trading account custodial account a retirement account whatever it might be I've got links in the description for uh crypto.com finance.us uh, etrade and uh, Weeble we're doing the investing challenge for 2023 for let it grow on uh, weeble for the you know the fractional share investing you can invest as little as five dollars a uh at any one time for any different stock. But um, you can also do uh, crypto over there. And there's a couple different benefits to using Weeble. And if you put in a, a deposit as little as a dollar, you get uh, free fractional shares for simply just starting an account. So that is definitely a perk to get going over there. But um, yeah, so we had that Fed rate hike, right? We were talking about this one for a while. It's certainly been on the top of at least my mind. And you know we were at 25 basis points and it went to 50 and then the banks kind of started collapsing and people said nope 25, potentially even zero. Uh, but ultimately on Wednesday, we got uh, 25 basis points. Now that is what I was expecting from from the jump and then it kind of got a little rocky there. So the the market's been all over the place trying to pr- uh, plan for, what is next and what the next uh, six months or even a year look like, right? We're really trying to focus on how long this recovery is going to take. Is it going to be a soft landing and really what the Fed can do in order to kind of get things back on track? So uh, like I said, 25 basis points happened. Everyone was okay with that. The market rallied. I was up substantially uh, on Wednesday and then I think the second half of the the speech basically said, well, understand that we might have to do some more rate hikes. And this has kind of been, you know, debated, right? We thought that uh, we were going to get to this point where uh, we were going to kind of stay elevated for longer was the initial thought. And then they kind of came out and said, we might not even get a raise. And uh, potentially we could be cutting about 100 basis points by the end of the year. And that kind of went out the window. The market nah, sold off pretty pretty drastically uh, on Wednesday, and then it's been choppy Thursday, Friday. It's been up, down, left, right, any which way, but uh, you know, in a predictable pattern, it's been all over the place. So uh, we're, we're definitely trying to wrap our heads around what could potentially happen going forward, and really try to see what the Fed's next move is gonna be, because ultimately that's what uh, a lot of investors are really looking to understand is what that trajectory looks like for these Fed funds rates, what interest rates are going to be like. And uh, it does change a lot. You know, last time I was talking about, uh, you know, if we are going to pause after this 25 basis point hike and potentially start cutting by the end of the year, I thought maybe, you know, that gave us a shorter window to try to buy some of these different uh, home stocks, you know, the builders, the uh, remodeling, you know, the lumber, all, all these different components of housing. I thought you know maybe a funds or oh, the the interest rates are gonna come down that might uh, kind of start uh, getting people out there buying more remodeling more and kind of getting back into the swing of things of all right we're, we have a, a rate that we can deal with it's easier to start these housing projects that we don't have to put as much capital out to buy the land build the properties and uh, really kind of jumpstart that uh, that business again so uh, that kind of kind of went out the window. I still think that some people see it on the horizon, but uh, the 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 Fed is definitely uh, in that hawkish mode. We really don't know what their next play is going to be uh, because it kind of keeps flip flopping. Uh, it sounds like what they're saying is what they did the, this this last rate hike, but we really don't know what uh, what is next. So I think that's a, a lot of the reason for the choppiness, Definitely a lot of the reason for the selling off because we thought we were going to get those uh, rate cuts by the end of the year and uh, like I said that uh, is pretty much out of the picture now from what we're hearing from Powell from Bullard and uh, you know we're looking for potentially maybe even a few more rate hikes and trying to see if that soft landing can even happen uh, so that being said uh, I do want to take a look over at uh, the S&P um, I guess I closed a, about flat on uh, on Friday but s and is looking like $3,970. i am seeing some calls for uh, the S&P to trend down to maybe like 37, uh, $3,700, that is, and potentially go up from there. Um, so some people are saying it's not a great time to buy. Uh, overall, I could probably, eh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I believe in, in dollar cost averaging over time is probably your best way. But uh, buying in smaller uh, bits and pieces rather than large tranches to, you know, uh, I don't know that it's an all in moment, but uh, it could be a case where you nibble here and there Uh, might be a little bit harder to buy uh, a ETF or index fund Uh, at a great price. I think you can probably pick and choose some different names in a market to really give you a little bit more uh, buying power and some different names that have sold off. Uh, I'm still looking at banking. I know banking is is a lot of the reason why we have so much uncertainty right now. But um, yeah, I wanted to look over at First Republic Bank, which is FRC. And that, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely trying to see if JP Morgan is get that 30 billion uh, into FRC in order to kind of stabilize things. But there is a lot of uncertainty around this one, too. We're also seeing uh, some some talks of Charles Schwab, uh, SCHW, I believe it is. And, uh, that one has trended down pretty heavily too. And, uh, a lot of the problem here is, uh, you've got a lot of the, uh, the sweep accounts in brokerages, they're really low interest. So people are kind of taking their money out here and they don't have enough inflows of money. So, uh, they're looking at default risk on, uh, I think it was their bond portfolio. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look at Barons here, but, um, yeah, that one is definitely painful. So we really want to take a look at what is going to be a safe uh, safe play. Uh, you know, the JP Morgan's, uh, the Goldman's, the the Bank of America's, and some people still say Bank of America is not safe. I understand their, their concerns there. Uh, they do have a lot of uh, unrealized losses on that bond portfolio. I believe it is one of the biggest uh, in the nation. But it's also one of the biggest banks in the nation. So it kind of goes hand in hand. I know they are a little bit more exposed in some areas versus, uh, you know, Goldman. But Goldman has more in the way of investment banking and things like that. So there's a a different mix of products at these different banks. And you really want to uh, be mindful as to what you're investing into when you're when you're doing that. Uh, So uh, for me, uh, I did go ahead and add to some Bank of America Uh, again, in my retirement account, trying to get a little bit more yield there. So that uh, is one that I added to my IRA. And I'm just trying to build a a small position here. And you can use an IRA as a trading account. I know a lot of people don't really think of it like that, but you're not going to get the the tax or talk to an accountant. I'm not an accountant. Definitely consult someone that, uh, that handles your stuff before taking my advice. But for me, you can trade in and out of these and not have a huge tax bill at the end of the year. You do uh, shelter these uh, these dividends and your gains to where you're not paying or I'm not paying on those at the end of the year as well. So for me, trying to put these in, uh, you know, Bank of America, if it went to forty tomorrow, sitting at twenty seven fourteen right now, yeah, sure, I might sell out of it and uh, have that money to invest in something else. And being that it's in my IRA, it is protected, so uh, that works for me. And, uh, definitely trying to get a little bit more in the way of dividends and growth over there. So I'm trying to use that account for more of that trading, but also for those long-term gains, uh, putting the dividend stocks in there to protect them from, uh, the capital gains on dividends or the dividend taxation. Uh, so all different things that I'm trying to do here. And, uh, those have been some of the buys this week for me. I, I added to MPW, I added to bank of America and, uh, those are two that I that I did make this week. There's little buys here and there and uh, ones that I kind of want to continue to build into uh, a larger portion of my portfolio. Neither of these are huge. Um, MPW, I mean I know we've talked about the risks quite a lot, but uh, currently it is sitting at uh, 15.9% dividend yield. So if that can hold up if the uh, the you know the couple tenants that they have, that uh, haven't paid or haven't paid in full can go ahead and start paying on their rents. That'll certainly help them give a lot more uh, security to MPW. We also want to make sure that those credit risks are uh, not uh, too too overblown, I guess. So I'm looking at all that, but uh, I think overall it is a solid company. They have enough on the uh, the balance sheet right now to pay these dividends. It's just a matter of going forward if they can uh, continue to raise capital uh, with the higher interest rates for new properties and if the tenants are actually going to pay for the properties that they are using. So there are uh, 10 different analysts uh, setting a 12-month target on MPW right now. And uh, right now I'm seeing on the the first page of E-Trade here, which I think is powered by TipRanks, we've got three hold ratings. Uh, with price targets at ten, eleven, and twelve, and two buy ratings at fourteen dollars and sixteen dollars. But um, I think there is a lot of uncertainty. But we've seen that before, right? We've seen that in names like Nvidia or Meta or uh, Tesla when things really shot down to to the downside, and everyone thought it was going to zero. I saw a lot of people saying, "I'm only buying Tesla if it gets to eight dollars. I'm only buying, uh, you know, Facebook if it gets to fifty and ultimately, they, they never got there. And, you know, we had this turnaround, this 100% plus rally. And then a lot of people are thinking, man, I should have bought Tesla at 105. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. And uh, I, I'm not saying that MPW is going to be the same thing. But uh, I do think that a lot of these fears are really overblown. They have a strong balance sheet. They have great properties. And uh, like I said, there's only four properties that they're really concerned about with people paying those uh, those rents. So there are other concerns, but uh, we've seen that uh, in these other names as well. You know, everyone thought that uh, NVIDIA, you know, the, the crypto craze was over. So no more need for those chips. But then chat GPT comes out. AI has got this resurgence and everyone wants back in uh, NVIDIA. So uh, after that keynote speech from uh, Jensen Wong of uh, NVIDIA, this one has rallied very substantially this year. And uh, with the new talks of building this new uh, outlook on a new way of computing, a new way to build chips, and all the different use cases for it, uh, this one, you know, at the start of the year, where were we? We were sitting at uh, like 146 on, uh, where are we? December 30th. And now we're sitting at uh, 267.79 in not even three months. I mean, that is a, just... Pretty much straight stairway up on this uh, on this chart up and to the right. So that's definitely a, a big movement. And you know, I was looking at this one from 2022. This was the first stock, the first stock that we bought going into the Let It Grow Investing Challenge for 22. We bought it around three hundred dollars. And uh, you know, back uh, I think middle of last year, we were really looking to add, or I was looking to to go ahead and pick some more of this up in that you know, lower $100 range, I think we hit down to like 115, 120. And I thought that this could be a really good add to uh, dollar cost average down on this name, to where we would actually be able to buy more shares with the same $200 that we put in every week, and uh, really bring that average down significantly. And we would have been able to uh, potentially be up on this position right now, if we would have done that. But uh, I don't think that we did. I think we added another name at that time, and uh, I don't really have a problem with that. But I think a lot of the fear is uh, certainly out there. People want to buy these names when they're running, but no one wants to buy them when they're on sale, which is a really tricky uh, conundrum that we kind of get in as, uh, as investors, right? We see things uh, at the store, and if it's on sale, we buy it because I think we know what the value is of a, of a loaf of bread or the fact if you can get eggs for 99 cents, that's a steal. But in the stock market, people think, oh, well, what is wrong with this that I'm getting it on sale? And uh, that, I think that's really a, a thing that we need to kind of get over and we really need to look at more pieces of the puzzle and not just say something's got to be wrong, but think about, you know, what the future of this company is. And I, I said this before, NVIDIA has so many different use cases. They are in a lot of different areas. This was not specifically a crypto problem, um, but kind of an overblown fears for NVIDIA. Same thing for Tesla, right? We had Elon going through all the Twitter stuff. We had them, you know, uh, end of the year, they had to start, you know, putting vehicles on sale and uh, cutting the prices. But that was more of a case of a 22 that every vehicle was trending higher. The prices kept going up, going up. But once they kind of got those things under control, they were able to go ahead and lower the prices, maintain a decent margin, and uh, things were looking better. So now with uh, with Tesla, we are seeing kind of another uh, set of set of issues, I'll say. We are looking at the battery packs made and the fact that the the tax credit, the seventy five hundred dollars tax credit, if you buy in the us, Is going to potentially be going away for Tesla, I believe, on the Model Y, but uh, it could be uh, a little bit more widespread than that. I am not fully up to date on this one. I'm not going to say that I am, but uh, a lot of those battery packs, the majority of them are uh, put together in China. And the fact that the majority is made abroad, not in the Americas, Canada, Mexico, uh, the credit is not going to apply. So, they're saying that a week before the end of the quarter. So I don't know if that's a case of hey, get in here, get your orders in while you can still get the seventy five hundred dollar tax credit in order to uh, bump up our sales and the Q one, or if it's really going to go away, or they're going to s- simply you know s- change the way that they're making these, get the components from the U S. and be able to uh, you know still qualify for this tax credit. So I don't know if it's a chess move or it's really a problem that we're, we're trying to figure out. Uh, we could have some margin compression on Tesla for the fact that if we got to bring these batteries and make them, uh, you know, domestically here in the U.S. or surrounding countries, that, uh, you know, those costs might go up. We definitely have a, a glut of lithium in China and those prices have actually been coming down on the commodities market for the the beginning of the year, I think about 20% since January. But uh, in the US, those prices are still very elevated. Elon's even said this, right? He said, if you wanna go ahead and print money, start yourself a a lithium refining plant and you're basically going to print money from, uh, I think it's about 10 times the cost to make lithium is what you can sell it for per ton. So. There's uh, definitely a high demand for it, but we really want to take a look at that. And I, I think this is going to be kind of the, the new oil. I mean, kind of going to be the new oil until we find something different. But it even kind of relates to big screen TV prices. Right. We kind of were told, uh, you know, in the 90s that we were going to run out of oil. And then, uh, you know, we the US, we kind of came the one of the premier uh, oil making refining kind of company or countries in the world and the fact that we could, uh, you know, get into fracking, find more ways to make oil, more oil. And then we had more supply and, uh, you know, we could bring those costs down and make uh, more oil in house. So those those kind of fears kind of got overblown. And uh, I think something similar is happening with the lithium space right now uh, or big screen TVs. You know, those prices back in the 90s were probably the same, if not more than what you're paying for a much better TV now. So I think as the, the uh, other companies come online, we kind of fill that knowledge gap of how do I make lithium? How do I refine it? I think more companies are going to come online. We're going to bring those commodity prices in check. And uh, there's tons of lithium out there. We just need to figure out how to get it out of the ground uh, safely, efficiently, effectively and make these battery packs. So there's a lot going on in that space. Uh, we're trying to figure out what's next for batteries, if it's a solid state batteries or or whatever other options are out there and try to get uh, the next kind of battery tech going. And uh, you know, I guess you can only recycle lithium so many times. And I mean, again, I'm not a lithium expert by any stretch, but I know we got to find better ways to do this. And uh, it's even a case where we've got to find more Locally, and I know ABML, American Battery Technologies, is is on the verge of some great things, but we really need to be able to produce more if the governments around the world really want everyone to go to a lithium or EV car. We're going to need a lot more supply and a short demand or a shorter time frame in order to to meet this demand that is out there. Uh, So that is definitely a lot of the different concerns that are out there with lithium right now. And overall, we got to kind of get this problem solved in order to move forward. If this is the way of of the future, we certainly need to figure it out. So um, that's at least what I got there. That's kind of a long tangent on NVIDIA, big screen TVs and Tesla. But um, yeah, I did want to point out also Ford went ahead and posted losses in their EV unit. They lost about $2.1 billion in 22. Uh, and they're projected to lose another $3 billion in 2023 from EV. Uh, they're making up for it in their fleet business and in their uh, internal combustion business. But uh, I think it's a, a a plan to really grow and, and get this unit off the ground. And uh, a lot of those costs and retooling and capital expenditures from getting the EV business up and running is uh is definitely pretty uh cost intensive, and they're they're spending more than they're making at this point in time. Now, do I think that can uh, pivot and they can make more going forward? Yeah, I do. But uh, another another concern is the fact that we have so many EV companies, EV startups. It almost looks like Ford back when the uh, the Model T was around, and you had all these other. Uh, auto manufacturers that basically went out of business because they didn't have enough money to survive. So I'm seeing that from Neo. Also, they are saying that uh, they have enough cash uh, to go ahead and withstand the next 18 months, but they really need to get this uh, this rolling. Uh, I know they're backed by the Chinese government, but uh, there's only really three names that popped up for me when I was looking at Chinese EV makers who can really stand uh, a deep recession. And really have enough cash on the balance sheet to go ahead and survive. That was uh, Neo, Lee Auto, and Xbung, and uh, those three look strong. But uh, there are so many uh, startups. You know, we're seeing all all these different. You know, between Rivian and Fisker. I mean, Fisker has been around for a little while, but just all these new names that have never been in the auto uh, field before. And we really got to figure out who's going to be able to survive. There's only ever been two. Uh, companies in America, automakers, that have actually not gone bankrupt. Uh, Tesla is one of them, and uh, Ford. So we've really gotta take a look at uh, what we can do going forward, and uh, try to figure out that path as to who's going to be investable. Are rates going to really you know, bring all these companies down uh, as we go through a recession? Rates and uh, lack of demand are going to be two major problems. And with more uh, layoffs, more problems going forward, uh, are these, you know, pretty much our our customer base, are they going to be able to buy the products that some of these companies are making in the way of these, you know, 100,000 plus vehicles? Uh, There's only so many people that can afford those. So if that's all that they are making in the way of, you know, Lucid and with their, you know, 100,000 plus uh, Lucid Air, uh, all their different platforms there, Who's going to be buying these things? And uh, if they don't have jobs, you know, that's certainly going to be a a big problem. And where are they going to be driving to if they don't have any money? So uh, a lot of different concerns out there in that automotive space and really trying to figure out who's going to be able to stand the test of time. I know some of them are great. They have some great designs, some, some great features. Some of them have more range than others. But uh, ultimately, if they don't have the customers and they don't have the cash flow, they're not going to be here. So definitely think about that. Whether you're investing at a bank, whether it's an EV or uh, you know even a housing stock, are they going to be able to stand the, the the next 12 months to to really have enough cash on hand to have the the cash flow coming in uh, to be able to survive whatever the Fed pushes onto us and. Uh, also, are there investments in the right spot? Looking at the banks, I mean, we're definitely seeing that. And uh, I'll kind of go back to this one one last time because I know that uh, SoFi has been a stock that has really been taking this one on the chin They're in that growth category. And uh, you know, but a lot of their their business is strong. They are just in the in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, so I know that. Uh, yeah, I said back on the tenth that uh, Anthony Noto. Of, uh, Sofi, the CEO bought about a million dollars, and he bought about another two hundred and forty-two thousand dollars on the sixteenth. So a week later, he's back in there buying another forty-five thousand shares of Sofi. And for a lot of reasons, I think that this one should do well. They're they're definitely a smaller company. I know that there's a, a lot of uh, problems around buying growth right now, but uh, I've said. Probably way back last year, that under six dollars, I wanted to be buying more SOFI, uh, and this one has gotten crushed. You know, when I'm looking at uh, the one month chart, we were sitting around seven dollars on the beginning of March, and now we're at uh, five seventy, yeah, five seventy to close out Friday. So this one has definitely come down. When we look back over the the year to date, let's take a look at that. We were sitting around seven fifty, and. Uh, Even last March, you know, we were at 1050. So uh, the gross stock sell off has definitely brought SoFi down. And then now this banking crisis has certainly hurt them. But uh, when I see insiders buying, that is definitely a bullish signal to me. They think that they are safe from this, that their investments are uh, in the right spot. They aren't too leveraged. They aren't having this cash run. They've got more people coming in than leaving. Uh, So there's a lot of different things I want to see here. But uh, under $6, I still think that this is a, a good pickup, at least for me in the short term. Uh, and I, I really think that there is a bright future ahead for SoFi. So I'm still looking at that one amongst some other names that we are going to talk about right when we get back here on the podcast. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right, guys, we are back here on the podcast. So um one thing I did uh, forget to mention about SoFi, and that was that they did up their FDIC insurance from 250000 to $2 million per account. Uh, so that is definitely a, a big bump and a boost of confidence in their uh, their accounts and the account sizes as well. So that is, uh, that is good to see. We are definitely interested to see what the future of this company has to offer. Uh, and now I will go right kind of into what I am looking at for week 13 on the investing challenge. Um, So we had five stocks. That is normally the game that we do here. And you can get over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook to vote on uh, which stock you think we should go ahead and add to our investing challenge portfolio for uh, that week on the uh, the pin comment. Um, If I remember to pin the comment, I will uh, definitely try to do that in the future. But um, yeah, we've got uh, five different names. First up was Bank of America. And I uh, kind of definitely I covered this one pretty pretty in depth as to why I was buying it and uh, why I thought it could be a good purchase for us uh, on the investing challenge. So that was number one. Uh, we were also getting about 3.1% of dividend on Bank of America. And I believe it was about 40% of upside at the time. But granted, some of those numbers are coming down. And some price cuts or price target cuts were being factored into that equation. So 3.26 currently on that quarterly dividend. Uh, Analyst research on Bank of America was about 43% upside. And uh, yeah, all this week we had, or on the 24th, we had a buy, 23rd, uh, a buy from Oppenheimer. We, We go back to February. We did have a sell from KBW. And uh, beginning of March, we had a hold from Odeon Capital at 3520. But uh, since then, we've got buys from Wells Fargo, Oppenheimer, RBC Capital. So I guess they are in agreement with me that uh, this could be a good uh, buy and hold, good entry point. So I thought that we could certainly add to that one. Uh, number two, and this is still going to be a favorite of mine and that name is Google, and uh, I think we've definitely sold off on uh, some more fears with Google, with the advertising business, with the fact that Microsoft is uh, definitely trying to move forward, and uh, I think we had some news out of Microsoft with the Activision Blizzard deal from the UK saying that uh, it is not going to impair other video game makers, so uh, we did see Microsoft move up this week, and uh, that is just kind of a side tangent, some news I forgot to cover, and actually, Kathy Wood with ARK Invest went ahead and started investing in Microsoft. It has taken her a long time. I don't know why they were so late to the game with getting into Microsoft. But uh, as I said last time, this is not something I'm rushing out to buy. It's already a large position in my portfolio. But um, when we're looking at the year to date, we started the year down uh, around 220. We're sitting at 280 right now. It is not a screaming buy at the moment for me. And back to Google, I think that Google might be the better buy as it has been traded off on some of this Microsoft news. And uh, I don't think that Google is going to get left behind in the way of AI. I think there's going to be multiple winners in the uh, the AI, and uh, Google might be a little bit late to get started, but I don't think it's going to erode their su- their, their search business. As uh, you know, I'm searching on here, I still go right to Google. Uh, sometimes I go to Yahoo Finance. But uh, I still, I've, I've used ChatGPT, but I have not gone to Microsoft Bing. So I don't know that everyone else is in the same camp, but uh, I kind of think ChatGPT is something or Bing might be something you go to to check it out. Uh, if you need to use it for a different project, maybe you do that. But uh, right now, I still think that uh, Google is being underpriced. So that is, uh, that is number two for the week, Google. Um, where are we sitting on upside for that one? Uh, no dividend on Google. I'm guessing you guys know that about 23% of upside when it comes to Google. uh, According to 32 different analysts, Microsoft, uh, only about 4% of upside. And uh, as I said, this one's already run. Google is uh, is coming off some of the lows, but I still think there's a good amount of upside left in the name of Google, ticker G-O-O-G-L or parent company alphabet. I should have uh, prefaced it with that. Uh, Number three, and this one last week, I thought was going to be maybe an aggressive play. But uh, overall, uh, I thought Home Depot was going to be a benefactor of these rate cuts that were being priced in by the end of the year, uh, according to a lot of different analysts. And uh, I guess that one is kind of backfiring on us. But um, Home Depot has been a great stock for quite a long time and it is trading down towards the bottom of that 52 week range. We were sitting at uh, 347 on December 13th and currently we are sitting at 283. So it has come down about 60 bucks and uh, I thought it could be a good time to buy. We've got uh, a beta of a one so it's not as volatile as some of the home builder stocks. PE is sitting at a 17 and we're getting about a 3% dividend to get into Home Depot right now. When we're looking at analyst research on Home Depot, we've got about 18% of upside. So you you add that to the dividend uh, and the fact that housing was supposed to kind of come back online. We've got uh, mortgage rates have dropped about 23 basis points uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks, I believe. And um, the fact that the uh, the housing was supposed to kind of ease if rates were being cut, I thought that this one could be uh, a benefactor in the, in the way of uh, builders coming in, people getting a line of credit or uh, refinancing against their house if they bought at the peak and uh, people might be taking out some equity to do some home improvement projects. Uh, a lot of that uh, that storyline is still intact, but some of it has kind of gone by the wayside with what the, the Fed had said this week. Uh, but it is still a strong company. Uh, the PE is not overstretched like uh, some of these other names. And I'm, I'm looking at some of those, uh, those consumer staple names, like Coca-Cola sitting at a 27 times uh, PE, and uh, you know Home Depot is about uh, 10 points lower than that. Granted, you know we need food and beverage, uh, but I think we're also going to need to fix a, a broken uh, pipe in our house, or 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 remodel, or do the roof, or whatever you need to do uh, at your home. So uh, Coca-Cola is going to be less volatile, but I think that PE is getting stretched a little too high for me to be comfortable. Although you still get three percent of dividend. If you invest in ticker KO right now as well. But uh, uh, Home Depot was the number three stock. And there was a bunch of different tangents off of, off of that in this uh, explanation here. But uh, yeah, number four was uh, Chevron, ticker CVX. And uh, I was looking at Chevron for a low PE. Some of these oil prices have come down. Demand has dropped off. You're uh, still getting about a 3.9% dividend in, in Chevron. And, uh, I don't know that this is going to last for a long time. These oil prices coming down, we've got about 21% of upside. Uh, recently we've had two hold ratings come out from Mizuho and, uh, HSBC, but, uh, price targets on those for 176 and two Oh six. So even on the low one, we're still $20 off, uh, with that hold rating, you still get that yield and, uh, might not be a bad idea to add to oil when no one else is looking at it. So uh, I still think we've got uh, a, a good amount of time to buy some oil stocks as those prices kind of settle. And uh, then we kind of wait for these rates to come down, more demand in building, uh, things like that. So we, we might have a longer window now for the uh, the Home Depots and the uh, the oil names But uh, I do think that they would be good ones to pick up for the fact of the yield and some of that uh, turnaround play and into a bull market cycle. We could certainly see some upside potential from those names. Uh, So number five was going to be Apple tickle tickle was AAPL for that ticker. And, uh, yeah, we're sitting at 160. So it has come up a bit and I still qualify this one as a large cap, large cap tech. Consumer staple. I cannot talk this morning. But uh, yeah, we've only got about 6% of upside. So the average price target is about 6.2% up from here. And uh, we do have some recent buy ratings, one from Morgan Stanley on the 21st at 180. And uh, Evercore covered this one at 190. And that was back on the 14th of March. So Got a little bit of upside. I still think that people are going to be using their iPhones regardless of what that uh, recession indicators are looking like, and uh, we're going to continue to spend on these products. Apple is also looking to uh, get into more movie production. They are looking to spend about a billion dollars a year on uh, on movie production, and uh, where was this? I did write this down. And completely forgot to tell you guys. Uh, They're looking to potentially buy into streaming rights to English football games uh, or soccer and uh, the EFL offering rights in 2024. So they're potentially looking to get into buying the rights to stream Uh, and the Premier League sold their rights for the uh, 22 to 25 seasons for six point three billion. So they're looking to capitalize on being able to stream these uh, these games uh, around the world through Apple TV. As well as uh, up their business with doing some movie production, which has proved pretty tricky for Netflix and Amazon, and it's uh, it's definitely a very uh, cost intensive kind of uh, you know path they're trying to possibly venture down in the way of movie production. So I am uh, curious as to what happens here. I think the rights for the the streaming might be easier. They don't have as you know they don't have the production costs that they would have in the way of making movies. Uh, granted, the, the price tag might be a little bit more, but uh, I think that is more of a switch that they could turn on tomorrow and um, you know have people go to their platform to get the streaming of these uh, these games that people around the world are trying to watch, uh, which could be another way to give more people uh, more value by having the movies right on their platform when they get there uh, if they do come over to buy uh, some of the, the streaming for sports. They might also get the uh, the benefit of having some new movies that no one else is going to have either. Uh, so that is definitely a uh, a benefit going forward for Apple. Um, but overall, um, and I've got to I've got to come up with one more name for this week. So we'll uh, we'll see what that one's going to be. But uh, overall, we did decide on one of these names, and that name was Home Depot, uh, which kind of surprises me. But uh, I do like the fact that we can add to Home Depot. I still think that we've got a little bit more time to go ahead and add to this one. We might have a little bit more sideways action or even downward action as rates continue to come up. If the Fed's got to raise again, I still think that it is going to be more pain for Home Depot in the short term if we get more rate hikes. But in the long term, I think this is going to be a good add. So we're getting about a 3% dividend yield. We are getting about 18% of upside. And uh, I'm I'm happy to add to Home Depot. Uh, going forward, uh, for the rest of the year. So we will, uh, add now, potentially this one will be back in a couple months. If it does go lower, uh, say maybe another 10% down, I would look to add to this one. And, uh, that could potentially be, you know, in week 30, week 40, I'm not sure at this point, but, uh, that could be another contender for this year. Um, so let's, uh, let's see what we've got here for week 14. And, uh, I wrote four down, but, uh, maybe as I'm thinking of this, we come up with, with a fifth. And, uh, one of them comes from last year, right? We were looking at this one for last year and, uh, it won for this time, uh, on the 22 investing challenge. And that name was, uh, MGM. That's what we were looking at this time last year. And, uh, I still think that we've got a bright future here in the some of the gaming casino stocks and the the sports betting uh, bookkeeping stocks. And uh, MGM is a solid play right now, in, in my mind, for some of those reasons. We've got uh, March Madness going on. We've got a lot of different sports betting out there. Uh, we've still got a lot of demand for people traveling. We've got a, a lot of demand in uh, Macau for different uh, casinos out there. I know Wynn has really been having a, a good run from, uh, from some of that. But, uh, I think their wins EPS is still negative. So I don't really know that I'm, I'm looking to chase this one. When I look at a three month on win, we went from 80 to 115. Um, and now when I'm looking at MGM, uh, they also have the bet MGM platform going pretty strong right now on three months. Uh, we went from 32 to 45. We're settling back down to $40 and 99 cents. And, um, we're still getting, uh, a, no, we're not getting really any kind of worthwhile dividend here. 0.02%, nothing to speak of there. The PE is sitting at 11.7. So that is nice. Uh, we've got about, uh, depending who we're listening to, Treffis says we've got about 18%. And then 14 analysts on tip rank say we've got about 35% of upside for an average price target of 55.68. I tend to find that the the tip ranks uh, you know, kind of average of all these different analysts is a better way to go than simply looking at Trefis. Uh, they look at some different things here that um, might not necessarily be direct to the market. So I like to take an average of what these uh, different analysts are saying. I, I take that into consideration. But uh, overall, it's not uh, kind of the end all be all of what I'm looking for. But uh, what I'm looking over at Reuters, and this is where I normally look, you know, we've got uh, Reuters saying about 32% of price target uh, appreciation, but the 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 numbers is uh, the thing that doesn't lie. Annual revenue, um, we've got about 11% of growth forecasted for this year, about 17% of growth forecasted for 24. Uh, revenue growth over the last year was 38%. Uh, only eleven percent of net margins, which is uh, which is okay. That dividend is not uh, noteworthy at all. Dividend coverage three hundred ninety-five times. Uh, but yeah, you're getting uh, a thousandth or two, two and a half one thousandths of a penny, I believe. I that, that's hard to even kind of fraction in that uh, that number there. But price to sales, we are sitting at a thirty-one uh, percent discount to their five-year average, a forty-two percent discount on their trailing PE. And uh, currently it is a premium on that forward PE at 64%. Uh, Some of these are going to be skewed from where they came from during the pandemic. Uh, And that could certainly be as a lot of the travel and casino stocks were shut down for a good while. Uh, So we've got to take that into uh, consideration with some of these numbers. But um, the price to sales being under that five-year average uh, is nice. Uh, It did spike way up in... uh, through the pandemic it got up to a a price to sales of about four and a half to five times uh and so now we have settled back under that five-year average but understand that it is skewed from having uh such a, a rough time through the pandemic for the casino stocks uh so the peg ratio is is all over the charts as well due to some of this and uh it is not uh even being calculated at the moment on reuters uh so A lot of different things, I think, here. We've got uh, sports betting, which I think is going to be uh, growing as uh, more states get legalized. We've also got uh, more of a resurgence for uh, gambling in uh, Macau. Uh, We've got uh, Vegas kind of firing on all cylinders. And I think that that MGM should do well with uh, some of the different stuff there. But we do have some recession fears. Are people still going to be traveling to uh, these casinos Um, if times get really tough? Uh, I'm sure people will be, but uh, it, it might slow down a bit. Uh, we still are going to have sports betting. I think if they can't go to uh, Vegas to do their gambling, maybe we we open up the app and we start betting on there. So they opened up another avenue for people to do more spending. And I think that uh, that could certainly help the business and the fact that more states are getting added every time we go to vote on uh, sports gambling. Uh, I think is going to be a slower rollout of more money coming in for these different companies that offer uh sports book over, over the phone, over uh, the internet, really. And uh, I think that could be another growth driver for these names. Uh, so that is number one. We are looking at uh, ticker MGM. Now, number two, and uh, this one has been rocky. Uh, I think we've got a lot of growth concerns. I think we've got some different uh, different fears out there, but uh, this one is going to be end phase. And I told you guys that I was looking to add in that. Uh, well, I originally what six months ago I started selling some in the three hundred and thirty dollar range. I said it got a little too overvalued. It ran up too fast, too quick for me. And now we definitely have seen. This one come way back down to earth. I, I was looking to add in that two twenty five range. Uh, ultimately, it got down about a month ago. Let's uh, it got down into oh, it. Logged me out. I went onto the went onto the phone on E Trade, and then when I went back to the uh, the computer, it uh, it bumped me out of here. But it got down into the one eighty five range. I'm going to say on Enphase. And I really didn't find too much that uh, really scared me away from phase that uh, was really saying that this one shouldn't have, or that it should have dropped this much. Um, And and you could certainly think of it as a falling knife as it went from 330 to 183 now that I logged back in. Um, And now it went went back up to 195. It certainly uh, tried to run up to 207 kind of came back down. Uh, I'm thinking I would try to add to this one, um, you know, maybe in a week, see if this one does settle back down and uh, kind of start nibbling. Now the fact that it's dropped so much from that peak and uh, there's really not any major reason other than the fact that this one was kind of priced to perfection and any kind of uncertainty in the market. The fact of lithium going up and down, demand from these different companies, uh, you know, kind of the solar, are people really investing in panels? All of that is coming into play with Enphase right now. And uh, I know that there's going to be some, you know, capital expenditure for different companies adding solar, but maybe that budget's getting cut. So Enphase, it might have a bit of a tougher time, but I still think that going forward, this is going to be, you know, the, the Cadillac or the Rolls Royce of the uh, the solar world. And uh, their microinverter technology is is definitely superior to to most others out there. And I think that uh, Enphase definitely stands to to benefit from the ongoing uh, electrification of uh, America and of the world. So currently we have 19 analysts saying that we have 51.6% of upside on uh, Enphase. So we've got uh, just in the past week, Uh, Well, in the past week, we've had three buy ratings, a 275, a 365, and a 225. Um, And then before that, we also had buy ratings. They're just a little bit older at this point of 300 and 282. So I am thinking, um, regardless of what they are saying, I think that uh, Enphase should be a good purchase uh, going forward for the backdrop of uh, having... Uh, the government's really backing solar, backing EVs, and really trying to go away from fossil fuels. Uh, I think that Enphase, their technology, the company, and uh, just the, the strength of the industry should go ahead and support that uh, going forward. And, you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm trying to come up with a fifth name for us. And uh, I, th- I think I got it. I think I know where I'm going to go with this one. But, uh, yeah, n- number three. Uh, is going to be Simon Property Group. And uh, we are trying to figure some ways to get some yield into the mix. And uh, Simon Property Group has sold off uh, on some of the other fears that everyone's had, you know, recession fears, um, you know, rising rates, and uh, similar to MPW, are people going to be able to pay these rents? But uh, I still think that Simon Property Group is a well run company. We've got a a PE of about 15.9. We've got a a dividend yield of right over 7% right now. And uh, I don't think that these companies are going to go by the wayside. They're still going to have brick and mortar stores. They're still going to have warehouses. Uh, They're still going to be a premier operator in the way of uh, of retail. And uh, one that I think should do well going forward. So when I am looking at uh, at Reuters, let's take a look here. It is a buy rating on SPG, which is Simon Property Group. We've got a price target appreciation of 28.9% and 7% of dividend yield. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Uh, we've gone through all these cycles before and we we kind of know what to expect. It is going to be a slower grower. It's going to be a REIT. So they have to pay out more in the way of dividends. That's one of the reasons that... Uh, uh, REITs tend to pay more is that they they really have to. So you're not gonna get a, a massive growing company um, normally with the, the REITs, some of them do, but uh, normally they're more of that slow growth kind of mentality, but this one is just traded down for some of the different fears that are out in the market. So that is one of the reasons I'm looking at this one. Uh, annual revenue, 23 up 2.6% and 24 up 4.8%. So as I said, not a crazy growth company but uh, one that has uh, good dividends. They were able to grow the dividend 18% last year. Uh, that dividend payout ratio is high. It's at 85%, but that is the, the REIT uh, category of stocks. Uh, so current, yep, current dividend yield 7%, net margins 40%. Uh, we are at a, four, a 15% discount on price to sales, a 26% discount on trailing PE, and a 23 discount. 23% discount on forward PE. So it's trading lower than it does historically, as I said, with some of these different fears that are out there. You're getting a seven percent dividend yield. And uh it's one that I think we could potentially buy to get that rebound and collect the dividends along the way. So um, yeah, that's number three for uh week 14. Uh somehow we're already on week 14. I don't I don't really know where the time has gone, but that's uh that's where we're at right now. So Uh, yeah, so far MGM and phase Simon property group. And now this next one, if, uh, if times really get tough, I still think they're going to do well. And that name is Diageo and that is ticker D E O. Uh, so this is going to be a, uh, an alcohol play and, uh, let's just do a quick company overview. I'm going to get the names and the brands mixed up. So, um, they are strictly an alcoholic beverage company. Uh, Various categories, spirits and beer. Uh, they operate pretty much around the world. North America, Europe, Asia Pacific, Africa, Caribbean. Uh, and then they have supply chain and procurement as well. So they've got a little bit of everything. Uh, brands including Johnny Walker, Crown Royal, j and Buchanan's, Windsor Whiskey's, Smirnoff, Ciroc, Kettle One, Captain Morgan, Bailey's, Don Julio, Tangeray and Guinness. So there's a pretty wide offering. Uh, And they are sold in approximately 180 countries. So um, regardless of what the economy does, I think this is going to be one of those sin stocks that could do well going forward. And um, just kind of one that uh, I thought might be a good add. So the PE is sitting at a 27 times. So that is a bit high on the way of PEs. Uh, We are getting a 2.04% dividend yield on this one. Um, I guess some, some of the reason that I'm looking to add to uh, a different name is uh, is really the fact of, uh, I think that this one should be fairly well recession proof. Uh, when I'm looking at ticker DEO, we don't have a Reuters report on Diageo. They do not cover them. But uh, when I am looking at uh, tip ranks, we've got about 26% or no, 25.6% of, uh, of upside from here. And uh, I think that uh, these comp these countries, countries, I can't speak. These companies are going to be able to stand whatever is uh, really thrown in the way of a recession uh, as people are going to drink alcohol and good and bad times. And, uh, you know, sometimes if, if all these layoffs are going through, people are just going to want to sit down and and have a drink and, and take their mind off of things for a while. Uh, so uh, I'm thinking that these could uh, could be a good play to to look at right now. We are trading in that bottom half of the 52-week range. We're sitting at 178.94. The low was set in October at 160. Uh, The high was uh, last April at 2.12. So we do have a good amount of room to to go up, in my opinion. The beta is sitting at a 0.6, so it's not too volatile. Uh, 2% uh, semi-annual dividend yield, so you're only going to get paid twice a year on this one. But uh, I do think that it could uh, be a different stock, a different category to look at that we normally don't talk about. I know we've looked at Constellation Brands before, ticker STZ, but uh, I do think that Diageo could be a different mix, something that we really haven't looked at too much uh, in the past and ultimately could be uh, some something to take a look at here. So um, that's number four, ticker is D-E-O. Uh, so now number five, this one just kind of hit me while I'm sitting here. And uh, that name is going to be Activision Blizzard. Ticker is A-T-V-I. So this one has rallied a bit in the past six months. We came off of a a low of 71. Uh, We are currently sitting at 84.56. It is at trading near that yearly high. It set the high on Friday. Um, The PE is sitting at a 44. EPS of 1.9 dividend yield of about 0.6. And uh, why am I looking at this one? Well, like I said, Microsoft is still trying to buy this. Uh, We're still trying to jump through a lot of kind of the the legal side of it in order to see if this deal can pass. We reached a deal with Nintendo. UK is saying that uh, it potentially poses no real risk to other uh, gaming companies so yeah Activision sees a UK regulator drop major concern about a Microsoft deal so what was said here on market watch uh, they were up nearly six percent on afternoon trading on Friday uh, after the UK's uh, competition and markets authority said it was narrowing the scope of concerns that it had about the company's pending acquisition by Microsoft uh, the regulator had been reviewing the deal said uh, on Friday on a Friday release that it has received significant amount of new evidence in response to its original provisional findings. Having considered the additional evidence provided, we have now provisionally concluded that the merger will not result in a substantial lessening of competition in gaming, uh, in console gaming services because the cost to Microsoft of withholding Call of Duty from PlayStation would outweigh any gains from taking such action. So some of the fears with Activision look like they are going to be easing. And the fact that uh, we might actually get a purchase from Microsoft of Activision should al- allow for some more upside uh, price movement on that share price. So we've got uh, that deal set to happen in June for about $95. And uh, currently trading in the uh, in the $80 range. Where are we right now? Let me take a look again. Now we're currently at $84. Fifty-six. So we could have potentially about ten dollars of upside price movement from here, and I think that it could be a, a good time to buy, uh, potentially to have it roll into Microsoft shares, but also to get that uh, that price side uh, I- improvement here over the next couple of months. So that's the five names that I got for you guys this week. We've got uh, MGM, Enphase ticker ENPH, Simon Property Group SPG. Diageo, which is a ticker DEO, and Activision Blizzard, which is A-T-V-I. Please get over to Let It Grow Investing. I want to know your thoughts on these five, but I also want to know what you think we should be investing into next. Uh, Your thoughts on what's going on with the market. And uh, really, if you guys got any questions, any comments, please feel free to share them over on the Let It Grow Investing group on Facebook. Uh, So that's what I got for you guys this week. I hope this was uh, beneficial to you. And uh, brought you some knowledge and gave you some different things to potentially look at for your investing going forward. So, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here and I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on eTrade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.